You're listening to Embolden Adventures. I'm Sarah, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, listeners and adventurers. Thank you for joining us today on this new episode of the Embolden Adventures podcast series. Embolden Adventures. Be emboldened. Emboldened Adventures is meant to inspire you to travel, to encourage you to see the world, to get out there, to explore, to learn. Let Emboldened Adventures motivate you to take those steps to experience the world. Visit the website at www.emboldenedadventures.com. Sign up through the website to receive email updates on new content and ideas. And subscribe to Emboldened Adventures podcast show. Search Emboldened Adventures on your podcast app on your smartphone and select subscribe. Or go to the Emboldened Adventures website and click on the purple podcast link to the Emboldened Adventures iTunes page. Please rate the podcast and tell us what you think. Michelle to hear about her recent trip to India. Michelle traveled from the concrete jungle of New York City for over two days before arriving deep into the jungle of central India. All this traveling just to meditate? Come hear how Michelle is finding inner peace and how she experienced a gem of a travel adventure to remote India. Hey Michelle, thanks for coming on the show today. Sarah, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm so excited to have this interesting discussion about your time in remote India and what you've discovered through your meditation retreat. <laughs> yes, um, I'll tell you this. When I pictured myself going to India, it was, you know, southern India, the Taj Mahal. Never in my wildest dreams would I picture myself smack dab in the middle of India where not even my friends from India knew where I was going. <laughs> Is that right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> what am I getting myself into? Well, on that note, Michelle, tell us about yourself. Sure. I am originally from Jamaica, but I grew up in the United States. My parents immigrated from Jamaica when I was very young. I have been getting on a plane every summer since I could walk going back to Jamaica, so I've always had a, a travel bug, I guess you could say. A couple of years ago, I spent a lot of time going to the Caribbean, and I've tried out Europe, but I've always had a desire to go to the Far East. My heritage is a quarter uh, Chinese. There's a lot of Chinese Jamaicans, all because of the British Empire. So I've always been drawn to the Far East. I went to Hawaii to see if I could do the flight because I've never done such a long flight before. And, you know, it was kind of easy peasy. And then last year, I planned a big trip to Thailand. I went for two weeks. And just being over in Thailand with the culture and the spirituality, how it's not compartmentalized as it is in the United States. It's not one or the other. It's an integration within their life. And, you know, I just thought that was 
really beautiful that, you know, these people just lived with their spirituality. So on my way back, I had downloaded a book. I call it, it's like my book, my savior, Autobiography of a Yogi by uh, Paramahasa Yogananda. And it was a story about this great yogi who lived in India and his guru told him to spread um, a specific practice of yoga called Kriya Yoga over into the West. And it just talked about, you know, his life, his spiritual development. And I absolutely fell in love with this book. And afterwards, it was like, your hair is on fire. You, you have to find out. I had to find out what this practice was. Like, you couldn't read much about it. It's not really well known. You know, it's kind of hard to find on the Internet. But I was lucky enough that they actually have a center in New York. And I went, I spoke to the teacher there, and after speaking with him, I thought, this is it, this is, this is the path I want to be on, and you have to actually get initiated. Kriya Yoga is a specific type of meditation that I've always tried to meditate, and you sit there in two minutes, your mind is here, you're, you're there, you're everywhere, you're up, you're down, you're around. And you're like, I, I can't do this. I can't meditate. You know, it's like, I think that's the biggest issue that everybody says, I don't know how to meditate. So coming to this practice, I have access to uh, a spiritual guide, you know, somebody that's physically there, a teacher. And we sit for a group meditation on the weekend, which helps immensely with the practice. But they, they do give you specific techniques that do help with your meditation, that help you calm the mind, that help you anchor and, and to focus. And the biggest thing, um, benefit about meditation, one of them, I mean, there's many benefits, but one of the biggest benefits of meditation is the ability for focus and concentration. It's just, it's, it's my foundation right now. It's, it's what I go to 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 weather any storm, I guess, you know, you could say, it, it's my rock. It's my rock in my life. The idea of yoga, though, you're not necessarily doing yoga moves. It's more just a kind of name of, of this whole practice of meditation. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, yoga these days, you know, I'm glad it, it, it's so popular, but yoga in itself, its essence, is a spiritual practice. You know, yoga means union. So, you know, it's, it's the union of the body, it's the union of the mind, um, it's a union with, like, the super consciousness, you know, that all presence, div divinity that's all around you, and tapping into that. And, you know, it's great that people do yoga for exercises and everything, but there's only one aspect of yoga, you know, to really go deep into the practice, into the practice of the union. You need to meditate, it's, it's a very important part of of yoga in general that's one thing about yoga it's 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 all connected to me so when I practice my meditation you know before my teacher says it the best I should say um, he says yoga my met the meditation practice is is like an anchor your body's a boat and you're on this 
ocean of life. And on the surface of the ocean, there's these waves. It could be either calm, it could be very choppy, you could have a typhoon blowing around you. But your meditation practice is this anchor that sits all the way at the bottom. So no matter how much you're getting thrashed around on the surface, which will always happen. Meditation is not to stop problems or anything because you can't stop life from happening. That's not the point of meditation. The, med the point of meditation is to hold you steady when all that is going on around you is so that you yourself don't get lost within all that action and commotion and being reactive there's a thing about collective meditation that you're getting the energy from everybody else at the same time. So, you know, you take that with you into the week and it kind of recharges you, it reinvigorates you. And then you keep, you keep doing that and it keeps on building this momentum. It's like rowing a boat. When you row it by yourself, you know, you can get so much energy. But when you're in a group rowing together, you know, that momentum can go farther and longer and harder. And even when that person or the group stops, you still have that momentum propelling you forward from the group meditation. And forward onto JFK, onto a plane, <laughs> exactly. to India. So, so talk to us about how you got there and, you know, what motivated you to go all that way yeah. uh, to meditate. You know, I've always had a strong desire to go to India, just in general, because, you know, it's such a spiritual place, and, you know, it's so different from anywhere you can go on this earth. Like, there's no place like India. In September, the next month, all of a sudden, a two-week retreat came up, and it was in India. And my teacher said to me, you, this is what you've been asking for. It's a sign. So I said, all right, I'm not even going to think twice about it. Um, I put my deposit down in September, and okay, the retreat's in March. It's a long way off. You're planning all this time, like four or five months. And then when it finally starts coming, I said to myself, oh, my God, I'm going to India. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What am I doing? You're being emboldened. You're you're adventuring out and seeing, you know, the world in a different way. And, and uh, you know, you're going to tell us all about your experiences. But I guess one thing I wanted to point out, I, you know, I've been to India. I was there in 2004. You know, you say prepare. Uh, you know, I know we as Americans needed visas. You had to go to the consulate, obviously, and get a visa and get prepared that way, too. What were some of your kind of you know, pre-trip preparations? I went specifically for this Kriya Yoga Meditation Retreat. So the main ashram down in Florida, they actually did a very nice job of preparing documents and everything, like a checklist of everything you needed. You can go directly to the consulate if, you're, if you have access to a consulate near you. The good thing about when you get a visa for India, they automatically give you like a 10-year visa. So you kind of won and done for a really long time. Where I was going in India was not a place on the beaten path. It was way, way, way off the beaten path. It was in central India, like in the heart of India, where the north and the south of India divide. We were in a forest, 
and the ashram was sitting in the hills of this forest. Not many people knew what to expect. Um, nobody had heard of Armankantak. Going to India, I did go to a travel doctor. Um, I got a few shots. I got, I did get the flu shot. I got hepatitis A shot. They did give me malaria pills, which I opted not to take, but I still had them just in case. And I would recommend if you're going to India that they give you a general antibiotic called Cipro. Also, like anything for upset stomachs, diarrhea, modium AD, stuff like that. It's always good to prepare, you know, Tylenol, Advil, bug spray, and a water bottle. I had actually ended up getting a filtered water bottle. That's smart. So tell us, tell us more about the journey. The journey, it was it was kind of like a trains, planes, automobiles type of type of journey. I fortunately didn't have to take a train, but I knew some other people that did do trains, planes, and automobiles. You can fly direct. Air India flies direct from JFK to Mumbai or New Delhi. Um, those are the two major airports that we had the choice of flying into. It wasn't a direct flight. I had to stop over in Dubai, um, and I went to Mumbai. From Mumbai, you have to catch another um, shorter flight, about less than two hours, to a place called Rayapur, not to become confused with Jayapur. It is called Rayapur with an R. And you land in Swami Vivekananda Airport in Rayapur. I know, we were very surprised about that. <laughs> <laughs> this is how spiritual this place is. Even the airport is named after, you know, a famous yogi. <laughs> um, and there from Rayapur, you take a, a six-hour car ride to the ashram. So it was, it was a full two days in total of traveling with layovers. So from so. New York City to Amarkatank, it took two yes. days. Yes, it took two days. Wow. Well, describe the forest. I know you said it's situated in this forest on a hill and by a very holy river. Uh, you know, talk, talk yeah. about the, you know, what you saw when you finally got there. Yeah, I mean, just the changing topography of going from the city out into the country. And, I mean, my mom's from the country in Jamaica. And, you know, going there every summer, I thought I knew what a rural area looked like. <laughs> I was not prepared for this type of rural area. I mean, I mean, there is, like, nothing. Like, not even a general store on the side of the road. I mean... There's really nothing about, you know, these farms and these individual houses that are pretty uh, spread out from each other. We wanted to make it to the ashram before nightfall, um, just in case anything happened. Or like you a know, tiger would, to, would pop out of the jungle. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, unfortunately, I don't see too many tigers by the road. We were hoping to see a tiger, but no, it didn't happen. But, you know... Once you get into the countryside, the air is so clean and fresh. And being in central India, non-Indian tourists don't go to this part of India because it is um, a pilgrimage area. So a lot of just local Indians go there because there's a lot of temples. So, I mean, we arrived at the ashram. This ashram is actually a pretty new ashram in uh, the Kriya organization and there was 
they were, they were expanding it, but it was it was beautiful. It was situated on the top of the hillside. It was four or five floors. They had dormitory style rooms. Everything was wide open and airy, so you got a lot of cool breezes. There were 70 people in total on this retreat. It was just pretty a big retreat from represented by 12 different countries. So it was nice to get that experience of not only being in such a remote part of India, but, you know, intermingling with so many people from different countries, South America, Europe, India, the United States. So it, it was a pretty special place to go to just arriving there. Amazing. And I think you said earlier uh, when we were talking before that this is, as you mentioned, a spiritual place where the five holiest rivers of India converge. And so that's why there's some pilgrimages that are coming in this direction. Is that true? Yes. So the river that is well known is named after the Divine Mother Normada. So there's a lot of temples celebrating the Divine Mother there. And there was one actually within walking distance from the ashram, a huge temple. And we were right by the Normada River. So we went there and they have an area where you can actually bathe in it, like designated baths. So, you know, we went to wash ourselves in the Holy Normada River. And it said that if you cleanse yourself, like dip yourself in the river, you're literally cleared of, you know, all your sins. That's the good thing about about this river. So you get there, you spend two weeks in India in this remote place uh, that not a lot of people go. That's very holy. What what were you, I guess, what was your trip entailing? What, what, what was your day-to-day? What was your itinerary like? Yeah, so... Going there, we went for meditation and we went for service. So it was a twofold trip to develop our spirituality. And also, which was great, is they took us out on sightseeing, but to spiritual places, to temples where we could sit and also meditate there in the presence of, you know, these sacred places, which was just beautiful. So it wasn't like your typical sightseeing, you know. I mean, yes, I took a lot of pictures, so did everybody else. But but you got to meet these um, sadhus and these monks that are chanting and offering you blessed uh, food, which is called prasad. So you get to take these, and it could be either puffed rice or some kind of candy, like rock candy or something, but it's all blessed. You know, I got to experience... Hinduism like I've never experienced before and you know the the worship I think is is misunderstood by people in the West you know they worship different deities but when you really understand what they're worshiping it's just a different aspect of the divine you know it's the same God but just in different forms and and I think a lot of people don't understand that. I really didn't understand that. So it was really nice to to differentiate that between, you know, Christianity and Buddhism, um, many religions worshiping the same superconsciousness, the same divinity. So talk about your interactions with, uh, you know, the local people. I think that was one of my favorite parts of the trip. 
you know, the first few days we, we stayed in the ashram to get settled, um, to meditate, to just get into a habit and, and our groove there. But on the fourth day, we went out um, into the community to perform um, volunteer work. And what we did the first day was we went to clean up a few parks and also by the, the river, the Normada River. And they must have just had some type of festival there because when we went in there, it looked like, for those of you from New York who are listening, the day after Governor's Ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming up. <laughs> it looked like we just stood there and we were like, you know, there were 70 of us and it must have been like, eight acres of just trash on the ground and we just you know we started picking it up and we were the only westerners there and people were just in awe that this group of tourists foreigners would come here to pick up their trash like it was it was beyond comprehension but you know what it did it brought out such a wonderful sense of community and spirit that we all started interacting. And no matter, you know, who spoke Hindi or, you know, English or Spanish, the smiles and the, and the look from, and the sparkle in people's eyes and, you know, people are just so happy that you're they are side by side for this one common cause, this good that you care about the earth and you care about where they live, where people live. It was just one of the most beautiful experiences that, you know, I had to go to India to go pick up trash to experience. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, I say that too. The more you travel, the more you realize that, you know, more often than not, the there are good people in this world. And, you know, you're, you may live halfway across the continent or, you know, halfway across the world, wherever, different cultures don't speak the language, yet there's a common bond, right? And it's just the human, I think it's the human nature, the human spirit. But, you know, people aren't scary at the end of the day. The minute you kind of have some sort of interaction, there's a compassion there and an understanding. And, a, and a, you know, it's almost as if uh, there's... Um, you know they're welcoming you to their their home it's it's uh yeah. it's hospitable yeah it was it was a wonderful day and and it was it was so interesting because you're picking up the lots the cows are roaming free all around you like this is only an experience that you could have in india that you know and monkeys fun. right were there lots of monkeys jumping around there were so, <laughs> there were so many monkeys <laughs> <laughs> got to be careful they steal things and, go to India, don't feed the monkeys. <laughs> Take my advice and keep your pockets and bags closed. So what else did you experience? Anything else in the two weeks you were there? What, what more did you discover about India? Along with the temples, we actually got to meet some highly realized monks, which was an awesome experience to sit and meditate next to. If Anybody has the opportunity to to meditate next to or meet just to bow down at the feet of a realized monk or sadhu, a spiritual person, take it. Take it. Don't be shy. Touch 
their feet because these people, the amount of energy, and when they bless you, it's like you just got hit with a cosmic fireball. It's a beautiful moment. We got to experience that. And we actually went to a temple where the monk who founded the Sikh religion got realized where he founded the Sikh religion. And we went to this ashram that was over 600 years old and, you know, where he, he meditated under this huge banyan tree, which is a very auspicious tree. If you ever have a chance to sit down underneath one and meditate, we all were like, we need to stay 10 more minutes to sit down and meditate on this tree because we all thought, what? We were going to get enlightened in 15 minutes. Just like Buddha, right? That's uh, yeah. that's the story of Buddha. The prince from India meditates under a banyan tree and becomes uh, Buddha. Yep. And if you ever have a chance to sit under a banyan tree and meditate, please do. Well, quickly, what these monks uh, were Buddhist, they were Hindu, they were Kriya. You mentioned Sikh. What what? So, denomination uh, were they? Hindu. Hindu. They're Hindu, but you can also, the good thing about Kriya Yoga is that it's non-denominational, so you can practice Kriya Yoga in addition to whatever religion you are. It's like a way of quickening your spiritual path along with whatever you believe in. And it gets to the heart of spirituality. It doesn't get wrapped up in the dogma of all the religions. It's, it's about your connection with the spiritual and realizing that in everything and, and integrating it. Like I said, you know, I used to compartmentalize a lot in my life and now I realize that it, it, they all complement each other, every aspect of my life and, and it's all beautiful. <laughs> so is that what you discovered that you didn't know before? Yes. Yes, that's definitely one of the things I've discovered that I felt like I was being pulled before going to India in about seven different directions. Like I didn't have a clear path of, of what I wanted to do or who I was as a person. And going back to in and going to, so yeah, I'm already planning on going back, I see. <laughs> it came out and I didn't even know it. Before going to India and then living at the ashram for these for the two weeks of a very simplistic living, just three meals a day, simple vegetarian meals. They made their own plates out of the leaves from the forest. So everything was biodegradable, but it's just a very simplistic way of living. And you just realize how much you don't need, how much is excessive in your life. And it's not a bad thing to be, to have the excess, but, you know, it, it grounds you. It, India grounded me to come back to New York and to realize and appreciate everything I have, not because of the things I didn't have, but, you know, to realize that I am blessed and I am blessed for a reason. That's beautiful. And I shouldn't, and I shouldn't feel guilty about it as long as, you know, it's, it's in a healthy way. It's in a loving way. That's beautiful. So the trip was worthwhile then. It was worth going. Oh, it, it totally isn't right now. It just seems so far away. But I try to incorporate the things I've learned, the life lessons I've learned in India of just the human connection, uh, the connection to nature, the connection to myself. So it's a, it's a threefold. <laughs> it's the 
magic number, the auspicious number of three, I guess. It's really opened up a new journey in my life, especially with traveling, because I know how much there is to see in the world and how much more there is to see in India. And my meditation, it, it dissipates the fear of traveling. It's not scary to me because I have that foundation that I know that I have a good head on my shoulders and, you know, I'll make good decisions and, you know, and the meditation gives me that space and clarity to know, okay, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I should, you know, I, I need to contact this person or, you know, it just, it, like I said, it centers me, it grounds me. So I'm, I'm looking forward to more traveling and incorporating the spiritual aspect of traveling and with the adventure part of traveling. Excellent. That it's, it's all one thing. It sounds like you're going to be emboldened. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> well, thank you, Michelle. This was uh, quite informative. I, I enjoyed hearing your impressions of, uh, of the, the deep woods of India and, uh, you know, your meditation uh, trip. It sounded like quite an adventure. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for joining us on Emboldened Adventures podcast. Stay tuned for the next podcast coming soon. Remember to subscribe to the Emboldened Adventures podcast on iTunes and sign up for the Emboldened Adventure website to receive email updates and new content on travel adventures. Thank you for listening. Until next time, adventurers.